Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, September the 13th, 2021, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are continuing our study on the book of Romans, and we will look specifically at Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we read about our personal salvation, whereas in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, we see, our, we see our salvation within the grand story of redemption. You see, we see the contrast between the first Adam and Jesus, the second Adam. And so last time when we looked at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we saw verses that we know and maybe many of us have memorized, like verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Or verse 7, where it says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. And then verse 8, since God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you feel the personal nature of salvation? in Romans chapter 5, specifically in those verses, verses 6 through 8. It's a very personal transaction. Jesus died for a sinner, for me, for you. It was personal. But now Paul helps us see how this salvation that we have works into this grand story of redemption that's being told from the very beginning of God's word to the very end of God's word in Revelation at the fulfillment of all things. One commentator said, Adam and Christ are the two most influential individuals in human history. And believers can take confidence because they belong to one who has overturned and conquered all that sin that Adam introduced into the world. Oh, Jesus has overturned and conquered all of the sin that Adam introduced into the world. And so with that, let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Adam and Jesus represent two very different lives. Adam is the head of the race of sinners, while Jesus is the head of the redeemed who trust in him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 through 22, just as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Therefore, what we see is that all humanity is either alive, right? Is, is, is either alive to sin under Adam or they are under Jesus. Look back at the passage of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, and you will see the word one is used 12 times. There are only two options that we are given in this passage. You either belong to the first Adam or you belong to Christ. This idea of one that we see through this passage tells us there are two choices and you must choose one. You either choose the first Adam and you live under sin or you choose the second Adam and you live under Christ. We see this word 12 times again in verse 12. It says sin came through one man, that first Adam. Verse 14 says there was a type of one who was to come, that being Jesus. Verse 15 tells us that through one man's trespass, we see the world become sinful, but then we see the contrast, the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And then in verse 16, we see one man's sin following one's trespass, which leads us to verse 17, that because of one man's trespass, that death reigned through that one man. But then the good news that life through the one man, Jesus Christ, is given to us over and above the trespass and the sin. Verse 18 picks up again and says, as one man trespassed led to condemnation, contrasted with one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And then verse 19, one man's disobedience, Adam, and one man's obedience, Jesus. And there's a lot of emphasis on Adam's fall, sin, and death. But Paul's major concern is to share the good news of Christ's triumph. Therefore, the emphasis is not on Adam's failure, but on Christ overcoming sin and death and giving those who believe a path of new life. Beloved, this passage reminds us that we live in a fallen, sin-sick, and broken world. Things are not the way as they should be. Because of Adam's sin and our sin, the world is broken. And so we have war and refugees in Afghanistan. We have catastrophes of natural disasters like earthquakes and, and hurricanes and tornadoes and wildfires. And we have a global pandemic of COVID-19. But the goodness is that Jesus has come to recreate this world and to make everything that sin has tainted and destroyed, reversed and renewed. And this is the healing and restorative power of the gospel. The long-term impact is ultimate glorification for believers and for creation. But the current impact is a radically changed, reconciled, and restored life.
What the vulnerable child, the vulnerable woman, the vulnerable family needs is to know the good news of Jesus and to be rescued from the futility of sin and brokenness in which we inherit from Adam. These verses open up with a huge conflict, verses 12 through 14. Sin and death have brought the great conflict. Because of sin, humanity is alienated from God. We have no peace and we've been thrown out of the garden without access to God. Whereby Adam walked with God, sin lost us our access. Future glory has also been replaced by trials, death, sickness, and depravity. Therefore, the great conflict has left humanity longing and living for reconciliation. The good news of this passage is that Jesus has come to restore all that was lost and broken. We see in verse 12 that sin wasn't just Adam breaking a rule by eating the fruit, but it was rebellion against God. It was treason and it was idolatry. And this sin is a failure to love God as he loved us. So we see the progression of pervasive sin. First, verse 12, sin came into the world. It came through one man. But then second, we see that death entered the world through sin. And it's death. Then we see third spread to all men. Why? Because all have sinned. The effect of Adam's sin was universal and brought ultimate condemnation and death. Humanity sinned through one past action. And apart from God in Christ, we are under condemnation. Paul then explains the condition of sin in verses 13 and 14. He truly highlights the idea that sin is rebellion against God. Sin was not just a result of not following the law given to Moses, but is wanting our own way and worshiping our own desires as opposed to worshiping the creator and king, almighty God. And we see the effects of this today where we form and create laws to meet our own desires, our culture, our families, ourselves are completely controlled by our desire. Love the way that James says it in James chapter four, verses one through four. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Then James brings the hammer down. He says, you adulterous people, verse four, exclamation point. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, beloved, sin reigned through verses 14 of Romans 5, from Adam to Moses, because sin is an ungodly desire and passion. The law that was given to Moses simply put names and conditions of our sin and treason. It identified our sin. It didn't cause us to sin or become the root of our sin. It was the identification of our sin. In other words, Paul wants to make sure that we understand the seriousness of sin. It's just not failing to follow rules and getting your name on the board with a few checks like you did in elementary school. No, it is the complete and ultimate conflict and rebellion against a holy God. Oh, but that's not where this passage leads us. 
And like we said before, Paul doesn't really dwell that much on our sin. It's really just the first three verses where he dwells is on the grace of God. If there's a, there's a big but in this passage, just like that big but of Ephesians chapter two, when it says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. And Paul spends verses 15 through 19 with four contrasts, four contrasts, because he wants us to see that Jesus the Christ is supreme over our sin and rebellion. Four contrasts, because he wants us to see that Jesus has gained for humanity much more than Adam lost. Four contrasts, because Paul wants to see that Christ has overcome and will completely restore and redeem. And so the four contrasts of Romans chapter five, the first is this idea of trespass versus the gift of grace. You see, our action, our sinful action has earned trespass on our behalf. We've earned it, but huh, but God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us grace. And we see grace emphasized by Paul eight times in these verses, 15 through 17. Look for the word grace and gift as I read this again in, in Romans 15 through 17 and see the overflowing of God's sweet and abundant grace. Verse 15, but the free gift, there it is, grace, is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's dress, trespass, much more have the grace, there it is, the grace of God and the free gift, there it is again, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Four times in verse 15, we see the idea of a gift of grace. And the free gift, there it is again, it's not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But here it is again. But the free gift, his grace, following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of what grace and the what the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Oh, there is an overflowing of God's sweet and abundant grace. Adam's and our transgression is fatal. It leads to death. But Jesus' gift of grace is life-giving and life-changing. Both are action. One is deserved. One is not deserved. One is what we did. One is what God did. What we did earned trespass. But what we get when we believe and put our faith and trust in Christ is we get the free gift of grace. But that brings us to the second contrast of Romans chapter five, and that is condemnation versus justification. You see, the result of our sin is condemnation, but the result of God's grace is justification. We are counted as righteous. We have one of these statuses. We are either condemned or we are righteous. If we are in Christ and our new identity in Christ should impact everything about us. We should no longer seek to build our lives on our performance, our popularity, our power, or what others think about us. No, we build our lives on Christ and His identity. We are justified before God, reconciled to God, and adopted by God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. Before through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh 
in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Oh, we see condemnation versus justification, but that brings us to the third contrast of Romans 5, and that's death versus everlasting life. The evidence of a life in Adam is the reign of death in life. In Adam, death has no escape, and this life is the best that one will ever know. However, the evidence of a life in Christ is everlasting life. The life that we now live, if we are in Christ, is the worst that a believer will ever face. Only in Christ can we triumph over sin and death. Verse 17 says, those who receive the overflow of grace. Grace does not come to us automatically, but only once we've believed in the Messiah through the one man, Jesus Christ. We inherit death through our sin in Adam. Oh, but we get everlasting life when we place our trust on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That brings us to the fourth contrast of Romans chapter five, disobedience versus obedience. In Adam's disobedience, we were made sinners. And in Christ's obedience by faith, we will be made righteous. Love the way that Tim Keller speaks of these verses when he says, Jesus's achievement was not simply to remove the penalty of our disobedience. Wonderful though that is, It was to obey for us as our representative head throughout this life and supremely in his death. While Adam was told he would enjoy blessings if he obeyed God and yet chose to disobey, the second Adam knew he would face agony and death if he obeyed, and yet he resolutely walked in obedience to his father. When we read of Jesus' continual loving obedience in the Gospels, It is a matter of life and death to us because that obedience is our obedience. If we are in Christ instead of Adam, where Adam's disobedience brought condemnation for all humanity, Jesus's obedience is the hope of the world. And believers who bear the image of Adam will one day be completely transformed into the image of Christ. And until that time, we battle with our own nature of disobedience and our new nature in Christ, which will result in complete obedience. Soon suffering will be no more and we will be with God forever because Jesus was completely obedient even unto death upon the cross. So beloved, the good news of this passage is that Christ has overcome. The law does not solve the problem of sin because all the law does is count and identify sin, but it cannot counter or defeat sin. The solution to our sin problem is not greater legalism but amazing grace, which came in the person of Jesus. Paul says in verse 21, in Adam, sin rules us and we are under the dominion of death, but in Christ, grace reigns over us. Beloved, this is our mission as believers. And this is the mission of the ministry of Lifeline, that Christ has overcome and his grace covers the multitude of our sin to recreate and to restore our lives in this sin sick world. We need the gospel and we must preach the gospel to the most vulnerable. Romans 5 ends with the words, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, nothing restorative can happen apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot change the world and make a lasting difference with our good deeds, our intellect, our presence, or our work. But we will see lives restored and reconciled and the earth recreated through the miraculous gospel of Christ Jesus. So according to Romans, 
We are worse than we can ever think. But yet for those who are in Christ, we are more loved and accepted than we could ever imagine. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of China and specifically our in-country guides and our U.S. staff, the CCCWA, the Central Authority, the children in China, adoptive families who are in the process for the church in China. And we continue to praise the Lord for the things that we do see amidst great tribulation and strife in China. So we know that we must pray for the country of China, for our brothers and sisters in China, and for the continuing process of adoption in China. Let's pray. Father, we do lift up to you the country of China, and Lord, I specifically lift up the body of Christ in China, our brothers and sisters. I pray that you would strengthen them and give them grace and give them boldness and give them perseverance. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give them every good thing that they need to be able to serve you and to make you known. Father, I specifically pray for our in-country team. I pray that your spirit would soften the hearts of, of them to the gospel and specifically for Lily to feel you, Christ Jesus, near to her in this season. I pray for our guides in Chinese cities that have been out of work due to travel restrictions. I pray for continued health and safety for our team. I pray for stamina for our Lifeline China team as we navigate tedious paperwork processes resulting from travel delays. And I pray for emotional energy as, a, as our Lifeline China team ministers daily to anxious families. And Lord, I pray for the central authority for continued favor for Lifeline with the CCCWA. I pray for our ability to clearly communicate the gospel to government entities in China. I pray that the CCCWA officials, as they deal with higher governments, not always supporting intercountry adoption. Pray for the opportunity to continue to host kids' camps and after school programs in China and other opportunities to provide support for the orphan care system in China. Pray for China to open its borders to U.S. families. I pray for China to prepare and release files of waiting children. And I pray for an ease to the tension currently between the U.S. and China. And Lord, I pray specifically for all the children currently living in orphanages and foster homes, that they would feel you and know you, that you would be to them as you promised in your word, a father to the fatherless and a helper and a defender of the lowly. I pray for applications from adoptive families to be open to older children and children with spe specific and significant medical needs. And I pray for all of the families waiting to travel to finalize their adoption and for all of the children that these families represent waiting to be a part of these families. And I pray for the medical needs of three specific waiting children. And Lord, I just pray that you would provide what they need during this time as they wait. And Lord, that you would protect them and hold them in the palm of your hand. And Lord, even through all of the wait and all of the discouragement, all of the uncertainty, I praise you for continued movement of paperwork throughout the China process. I praise you for the children that have been matched in 2021 despite the fact that there have not been new released files in over a year. And Lord, I, I praise you for the China team who loves and serves our families so well, for these ladies that love you and love these children and serve these families so well. God, would you do a wonderful work in the country of China? Would you increase the ministry? Would you increase the, the reach of international adoption? And Lord, would you bring finality to this pandemic that has brought much confusion and much to Lord God, we trust you and we love you. We ask all these things in your great, awesome, and powerful name, in the name of Jesus.
Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music